Hi, welcome to the Supply Chain Management with GDP podcast, where we discuss industry best practices, current affairs, effective leadership, and the latest innovations in the world of supply chain. Aimed at explaining the concepts of supply chain in the leanest way possible, comes one of the most efficient and quickest shows where you will listen to interviews with various subject matter experts in the supply chain domain. So let's just get right into it. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Supply Chain Management with GDP. Today with us, we have another guest. He currently works at a very big tech firm, as he calls it. And he was a former colleague of mine at Dell. He also graduated from Northeastern University and comes in with immense knowledge about sourcing, procurement, and other commodities and other factors that relate to supply chain management. Let's just get right into it and get himself introduced, Austin Seppala. Hi, so my name is Austin Seppala, and, and um, just a little bit about myself. I was uh, born and raised up in New Hampshire in the United States. Um, and as Kagan mentioned, I, I have nine years of supply chain experience, primarily in the supplier sourcing area. I was based in the Hopkinton, Massachusetts uh, office for EMC and, and then Dell once they were acquired for about seven years. And I had uh, a one-year uh, international experience in Shenzhen, China as well. Uh, as mentioned as well, I recently moved over to another company, a big tech company, helping to source their data infrastructure. That's awesome. You come in with such a wide variety of experience in supply chain. I think this talk over the next 10-15 minutes is definitely going to be super informative. Let's just jump straight in. Why did you decide to take up supply chain straight up from your undergrad? Yeah, so uh, I actually did uh, an associate's degree at a community college. It's called Mount Wachusett Community College in, in Gardner, Massachusetts. And there we did a, a strategic management class as a capstone course I was required to take. And, and one of the, the final projects we worked on was a study, a strategic uh, analysis of a, a mid-sized company based in Massachusetts. Coming out of that project, one of the major focus areas was, was that they needed to focus on their supply chain. Um, and looking at their footprint across the United States as well as internationally in Asia. And that's really the first time I ever heard of supply chain. And ever since then, I've really been intrigued by supply chain and how many different areas there are to focus on. Um, You know, there's the sourcing side of it, strategic uh, sourcing side of it, as well as supply planning. So uh, I was just so intrigued by the number of different areas that you can go into in the supply chain and in your career. Yeah, I think your career graph clearly shows that you have a wide amount of interest in supply chain as such. But when it comes to education, what about masters? Do you plan on doing so? If not, um, do you believe that one can progress in their professional career without investing more on further education and just work experience like you have? That's an interesting question. So I guess first off, you know, I, I did actually partially complete a master's degree. It's not on my resume since I didn't finish it, um, but I did a master's, a couple of master's classes in computer information systems at Boston University. What happened was, you know, we had industry-wide shortages as, as supply chain goes. Uh, there's always issues that come up. Um, <laughs> and so I needed to take focus off from off from school at the time and focus on my full-time job. And, and I put the, the master's on pause. I guess with regard to, you know, progressing in your career, I think there's many paths to education. And it's not simply in the classroom. I think young and mid-career professionals 
can continue to advance in their careers with a willingness to learn and applying themselves on the job. In fact, I've heard many leaders in the industry, folks that I've worked with, say that they'd rather hire somebody who's excited and willing to learn than to hire somebody that has the best credentials and thinks that they know it all. You know, that being said, um, one thing I've personally experienced, you know, going through the co-op program at Northeastern where you, you do a work experience and then go back to the classroom is that going back to school after having a work experience does offer, you know, new insights and, and opportunities for professionals to share their perspectives. You can get perspectives of people in and outside of your industry, as well as outside of your field of focus. Um, so I think it's a good idea to pursue a master's degree after you've had a few years of experience. Makes sense. I guess it's more like when you go into school after a few years of work experience, you're able to relate the theoretical knowledge that is being taught to the practical that you have experienced. Makes sense, right? Exactly. That's what, yep. As you said, you have been involved at various roles involving sourcing and managing commodities. So what are some of the challenges that you face while at work on these things? In nine years of work experience, there's, there's been a ton of challenges. And I'd say kind of uh, two things. One is uh, overall, uh, when I think about a challenge that I've seen come up time and time again is supply chain agility and the ability for companies to adapt to challenges that come up, um, you know, both from a how quickly they can react and how they can recover. You know, oftentimes I think teams are so focused on running the business, it's difficult for them to spend the time to future-proof the supply chain. And take, for example, you know, the tariffs that the Trump administration had put against China. You know, many companies were so heavily focused in China at that time, and they had to spend a, a ton of time and money qualifying new locations, where, you know, an agile supply chain should be able to, to flex to you know, various regions of the world to, to accommodate any, any issues like that. You know, take shortages as another example. Happens all the time. The second thing is that I mentioned there's two things. There's, you know, supplier management. I've, I've had a very heavy focus in my career on managing suppliers. I think one of, the, one of the important things is how do you ensure you have the right number of suppliers in your supply chain to maintain your supplier and buyer power dynamic to have a good partnership with your suppliers for both design and manufacturing of your products. And these are two things that I've noticed emerge. Yep. So you touched upon how the whole China tariffs thing when during the Trump administration affected the whole supply sourcing part. So there's like a lot of challenges that comes up, especially dealing with suppliers who are not in the same country or in the same continent. How do you predict such risks and what steps can you take to ensure that the supply continues during this time as well as in the future? I think that the number one thing I would say for any, any supply chain professionals or, or companies is focus on your relationships. You know, having a good relationship with your suppliers is going to help you in the long term. And, and sometimes that may mean that there's, there's going to be give and there's going to be take. Sometimes you, as a, as a purchaser, you may have to accept a slightly higher price. But the, you know, the trade-off is that when you have a shortage, maybe the supplier will prioritize your order and give you the capacity that you need. Um, so that's what I really think it comes down to is maintaining that relationship and maintaining the balance between what do you want as a customer um, and what is the supplier view as important as a supplier trying to make a profit as well. 
yeah, that's interesting. Like a lot of these shortages that you're linking into relationships. And I think that's where we build towards my next question is it's just two topics of what you've said. Like you stayed in China, you work with Chinese suppliers. So how important is China to the world of supply chain? And also, does every manufacturing company need to have relationships in China to ensure revenue growth? The short answer is yes, we need to rely on China because there are still there's still suppliers, there's still products that we don't have enough capacity in the world, the worldwide supply chain today to cover the demand. And so that's what I mean by, you know, if you don't have supply, then what are you selling that, that you know, the, the core of the supply chain is that you need supply. Um, otherwise, you can't sell a product. Yep. Um, however, I think it is an industry uh, need that uh, we focus on regional strategies um, that will ensure that any one country has supply. If any sub- country has a supply issue or geopolitical issues that we can maintain an agile supply chain. Um, and obviously, that's a lot easier said than done, as you can imagine, right? Um, I think if you look at countries like, uh, you know, Mexico or Southeast Asia, there's, you know, there's definitely some labor expertise that that the industry has been dealing with overall. Um, But it's something I think if everyone has a focus on it, something that we can overcome with time. Um, But it's not immediately going to be an easy thing to do. Yep. You also a couple of times mentioned about agile supply chain. So in your own words, what what is an ideal scenario of an agile supply chain in a company? I think it's the ability, there's, there's a couple of different things. And I think there's actually a one of the CSCMP, the Council of Supply Chain Management Professionals, they have an article published quite a while ago, five different factors within an agile supply chain. So I'd encourage anybody to go and look that up. But, you know, kind of recollecting that, I'd say number one is the ability to react quickly. Um, also the ability to predict issues. And what I mean by react and react quickly would be potentially having dual sources, right? And again, as with anything in supply chain, it comes down to a balance. You know, do you want to dual source or do you want to single source to get a better cost advantage? It really depends on how much you're purchasing as a company. But assuming you have the, the volume to, that warrants multiple suppliers, uh, that's one of the best ways that I've seen to have an agile supply chain be able to react quickly is because you have two suppliers and you can quickly pivot from one to the other. Obviously, there's other strategies such as maintaining some sort of buffer inventory as well. Um, I think that that is more of a, a secondary strategy because that comes with a cost of, of carrying that inventory. And then also in a supply shortage environment like today, once you're, you're buffer inventories are completely twiddled down, then then what do you do? You know, you need those relationships. You need multiple suppliers that you can go to and rely on them to provide you your products. Awesome. I think you summarized that well. And definitely, I, I haven't read that article, so I'll go in and read that article for sure. But Austin, thank you so much for taking time out today and being on this podcast. I believe you've touched upon so many of these topics that a lot of professionals or upcoming professionals are looking to hear or discuss more. So thank you so much for taking time out today. No problem. Appreciate the time.
Thank you. And thank you to all the listeners for tuning in for another episode of Supply Chain Management with GDP. We'll be back. Thank you and good night.